Pines in the pines where the sun never shines. You'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pines where the sun never shines. There's a grave that's shaded with the pines. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Slay Queens podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Zoic. And I'm also your host, Wayne Thompson. And this is a show where we... Take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Hey, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing exceptionally well. How are you? I am wonderful. I get to see you more than once in a week. Yay! This time. Yeah, we did get together, full disclosure. Weird enough, though. Like, okay, we, we backed up last episode, so it was, I got to see you thir- every two days for the last week, basically. <laughs> what privilege. <laughs> I just, what? <laughs> I just thought about that, yeah. really. It is New or yeah, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Happy New Year's Eve. Uh, of course, you won't be listening to this on New Year's Eve, but we are recording on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So So when you do hear this, Happy New Year! Happy 2020, everybody! <laughs> We're trying to sound better and all of those wonderful things for y'all. Absolutely. We have resolved podcast-wise to... Uh, refine our processes. We've talked about that before, but also significantly improve the sound quality. And hopefully you're noticing that in this episode. We hope uh, new sound who dis. Yes, I love that. New, <laughs> new year, sound, new sound. Uh, but yeah, welcome back to the Slay Queens podcast. If this is your first time joining us, thank you, thank you, thank you. And bigger thank yous uh, to the fans who have stuck it out with us and who are returning for episode 10. Yes. Ashley, this is a big deal. How did we end up doing this though? We didn't even, we just, we didn't choose a day to start doing this. It was just like, oh, we're free on this Tuesday, 10 weeks ago. And yeah. then every week since then have made it a plan to see each other. And it's just weird that this would end up this way. Like how coincidental episode 10, which to me is a big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Yeah. The last <laughs> day of the decade. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Oh my God, we're going to be in the 20s, which I always said when I was a kid, I should have been born in the 20s. And my mom thinks I'm insane, but I'm like, whatever. Women were the most fun. I mean, you weren't allowed to be the 20s. most fun, <laughs> but you were yeah. the most fun. I agree. So we have a couple shout outs per use. Wayne, do you have some you want to... I do. First and foremost, uh, the general shout out. I want to shout out to Finland. Oh my God, yes. I just noticed that. Yeah, we were looking at our uh, statistics today. Uh And from last recording, the the last time we got together to record an episode till now, 5% of our listeners are now in Finland. Go fucking figure. Go figure. But thank you so much. Apparently uh, the queens are trending in Finland and we are super excited about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, please tell some of your friends. Yeah. Uh, also, we did get some really nice shout outs on social medias uh, this week. First and foremost, on Instagram, uh, Lindsay Neves. Mm-hmm. She shared us through her personal story. Yes, Queen. Uh, yes, Queen. <laughs> with a great recommendation. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And we also got a great shout out on an Instagram story from Abby Smalls. Thank you so much, uh, Abby. We appreciate that so, so very much. And also on uh, Apple Rate and Reviews, we got the sweetest, kindest, I best rate and yeah. review, five-star review uh, from, forgive me, this is just a username, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, but it's 
something along the lines of <laughs> HM Paradise or Paradis. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your positive feedback and your five-star review. I do believe that this queen got a little teary-eyed even. Oh, did you? I yes, love that. Yes, it was strings. a pleasant surprise when I obsessively woke up and checked our rates and reviews <laughs> yeah. uh, one morning because that's the sort of thing that I do. I love that you do that, though. Yes. Uh, anybody else? Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> As he's mouthing to me. <laughs> love you for that, too. Yes. Um we have to shout out Sierra again. Again, We're yes. going to mention her all the time because I can't ever shut up about her, but this was her idea as well. This particular human, like I said on the last episode, was I think she kind of just sits and listens to us talk sometimes and or she goes through the episodes and is like, well, they haven't done this and they haven't done th- that. And, and she's the reason we have like seasoning basically to this show because she's trying to help us keep it, you know, in the LGBTQIA community, but also, you know, variations of every form so it's awesome it's great thank you sierra thank you sierra and she's doing a great job of also keeping us current and kind of keeping us relevant that's a very valid point Uh, and i it's almost challenging in that way right because she's coming up with all these in the 2000s where i'm like there's not enough information (laughs) but it makes it fun it does it has been great and i have really enjoyed researching this case and we can't wait to tell you all about it yes In giving all of those thank yous, uh, I guess I should announce who we're talking about. This is the first time I didn't slip up and say it without even meaning to. <laughs> the first time you weren't the queen of spoilers. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? Last time I slipped up a little bit, but I didn't give the name. It's okay. This time, I'm just going to go ahead and say the name at an appropriate time. Absolutely. Uh, his name is Stephen Port, or also known as the Grinder Killer. The Grinder Killer. That's Grinder with no E, just for all you listeners. You really don't have to make that distinction I mean, for the homosexual men. <laughs> I'm are just saying. But I appreciate the fact that you're doing it for our other listeners. <laughs> uh, we gay boys are all too familiar with the old grind. There is a stand-up comedian actually out there, and I can't remember who it, what who it is now that we're saying this out loud. Who the fuck was it? Talking about why there's not a grinder for women, like for straight mm-hmm. women. Yeah. <laughs> and he just goes on this tangent. He's like, because a straight woman would be sitting in a bar and it would just pop up like a thousand dicks want to fuck you. <laughs> and now they're coming closer to you. And now they're, now they're in your vicinity. Now they're buying you a drink. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's not so dissimilar from the actual grinder. I would assume, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, gay men understand what they're there for. It's different. <laughs> so, uh, like Queen Ashley said, we are talking about Stephen Port today. He is accredited as being the grinder killer. And before we start talking too much about his life and his crimes, we do want to cite our resources or our sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got most of the information uh, that I will be uh, talking about for this particular episode of the podcast from an article that was published by the UK Sun and also an episode of a docuseries called Britain's Most Evil Killers. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This was season two, episode three, for those of you who are interested. And I do believe I found that on YouTube. Uh, or maybe I just Googled it and uh, found it under the video section. Yeah, the only other addition I have personally is, well, I always look at Wikipedia. That's, I mean, that's the one thing that if I can, I'm looking that up first and I'm reading through all of that. So that's obviously, I'm going to have to credit that from from here on out for every episode. But another <laughs> one was uh, 
a podcast called Beyond Contempt. This woman's name is Renee Lynn. I will say uh, one of the things that my sister-in-law had mentioned was that she felt like we had soothing voices because they listen in the car when they're driving, you know, listening to the pod. And to me, I'm like, I have a soothing voice. <laughs> I do not. I have never encountered this information about myself before I have either. never been told that. People always have said since I was a kid, you know, you can hear her before you can see her. I don't think anything about that is soothing. Uh, definitely the laugh. But yeah, um, this woman has the most, sooth- most soothing voice, I will say. If you're... I feel like I liked, I really enjoyed listening to her, but it also makes me nervous if I wasn't driving. I feel like I might fall asleep because it's so like relaxed, very like a Sarah Koenig serial kind of voice. You texted me about it and I think you described it as like audible Valium. Yes. She's like a human Valium. (laughs) It's true. I can appreciate that. Maybe uh, not that it, not that we're discrediting the information uh, that she put forward. Oh no, definitely not. She did it in such a way that was so relaxing. Yes. Compared to... You know, when I listened to the true crime podcast that I normally listen to, because mm-hmm. what I did was just looked up, you know, Stephen Port, and I'm like, let's see what pe- other people have to say. And yeah, absolutely. I was like, who is this woman? I want to listen to this all the time. <laughs> so yeah, don't listen to her all the time. Listen to us all the time, but also listen to her. Yes. <laughs> listen to us first, she's and then, great. And then yeah. maybe go back and listen to uh, what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> but shout out to her. We love and appreciate our fellow podcasters. Yes, we do. All right, let's take this deep dive, this deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. On June 19th of 2014, a 999 emergency services call was placed anonymously. A person who would not identify himself reported that a young man had collapsed and was unresponsive in front of an apartment building on Cook Street in Barking, East London. Pre-hospital providers, shout out to EMTs and paramedics, would arrive and attempt to revive the man, but unfortunately, he would be pronounced dead shortly before 8 a.m. on that date. Investigations would discover that the young man was 23-year-old fashion student and part-time sex worker Anthony Walgate. His cause of death was determined to be an overdose of GHB, uh, a.k.a. the date rate drug, a.k.a. liquid ecstasy, a.k.a. cherry meth, which was one I had never heard of before. That was I, uh, super interesting. I didn't even know that it... To me, okay... In the community, obviously not a gay man, didn't know that GHB was considered liquid ecstasy, that people actually do take it recreationally. I have never used GHB, um, to my knowledge at least. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I wasn't super knowledgeable about it until I started doing research for this pod as well. It's really interesting, honestly. It was really interesting, and they made these these specific distinctions. Liquid ecstasy, not actually ecstasy. Right. Uh, Cherry meth, not actually meth. Right. That sort of thing. To me, it is interesting because like, I mean, I hate to admit it, but like as a young person ecstasy was the drug of choice when it was recreational and to me i'm like that doesn't sound like the same effect of ecstasy (laughs) like that ecstasy is not uh, whatever it doesn't matter um but it is it's it's it makes me feel like an old person to like look at these drugs and be like oh they're used in that way now and like i'm in my mind (laughs) is this what the kids are doing (laughs) kind of exactly (laughs) and in my mind i'm thinking of like uh you know james st james michael alec like that time where it was the drug of choice obviously was ecstasy mdma was a huge thing but also ketamine animal tranquilizers special K. yeah special k being 
to me, that's com- comparative, I suppose. Absolutely. I think I, I agree GHB that. would be kind of like that same idea, just easier to get a hold of for some reason I don't understand. But interesting. Interesting. So two days prior to his death, Anthony had been contacted through the escort service that he worked for, which was actually called Sleepy Boys by a what? man. Sleepy <laughs> I didn't Boys. know that. Yeah. It's almost suggestive. It uh, Almost suggestive and not a name that I would associate with just like a wild night. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? what I'm saying. It almost sounds a bit like a service that you would contact if you just wanted somebody to come over and spoon you for anything. That's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. you know, a um, therapeutic cuddling, which is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> a therapeutic cuddle session. Uh, but regardless, he worked for an escort service uh, that was named Sleepy Boys. And he was contacted by a man offering to pay him 800 pounds for an overnight date. Anthony would accept the job and, as was his common practice, meticulously tell his friends the specifics of the arrangement. So it was very common that whenever he accepted a date, he would tell his friends uh, the name of the person that he was going to be with. He would show them a photo of the person that he was going to be with, and he would give them the location that they had agreed upon. Mm -hmm. Uh, The man would later be identified by authorities as a 39-year-old bus depot chef named Stephen Port. Stephen Port was found to live inside the apartment building that Anthony's body had been discovered in front of, and he was also identified as the man who had actually placed the aforementioned anonymous 999 call. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, When questioned about any possible connection to the death of Anthony Walgate, Stephen would go on record with the following. He would admit to having paid Anthony 800 pounds to stay overnight with him in his flat, Uh, which, of course, was off Cook Street in Barking, East London. We've already talked about that. Uh Uh, He would admit that the two had sex twice during that stay, in which time he said that Anthony would use his own GHB. So he claims that Anthony brought the GHB. He used it of his own volition. And he would also state that the following morning, he had to get up and go to work early, so he left Anthony in the bed to, quote, sleep it off. And then, on returning to his flat, Stephen stated that he found Anthony still in bed, but unresponsive and possibly having a seizure at that time. Yeah, the the word that she used on the podcast that I listened to was he was worried because there was a gurgling sound where I'm like, oh. I think some of the accounts that I read were that he was possibly gurgling, he was unresponsive, and he was stiff. So the healthcare provider in me just... Right. surmise that that was potentially a seizure well, and that's plus, how I documented it in my notes. Plus, yeah, plus we're going to see that he changes his story on, on things sometimes. So, yeah. In a panic, Stephen advises that he dragged Anthony's body outside uh, to the front of the building and contacted emergency services. On June 26th of 2014, Stephen Port was arrested and formally charged with, quote, perverting the course of justice. At that time, his cell phone and his laptop computer were taken as evidence, and Stephen's DNA was actually collected uh, to be entered into the national database. Despite Stephen's arrest and 14 unexplained bruises found on his body, mm-hmm. the death of Anthony Walgate was ruled an accidental overdose and not further investigated, uh, and there was no suspicion of foul play, according to the police. Okay, but we also didn't talk about how they found his body. Like, his body was outside of the apartment, propped up in such a way that, like, someone had to have physically just placed it the way that it... And also, there was GHB in his pocket, I believe, too, where I'm like, come on, man. Like, I'm calling... 
watch your step. You just walked into some bullshit. <laughs> I'm so glad that the bullshit button uh, made his entrance so uh, into the podcast <laughs> early this time because we traditionally forget about it. But I agree, complete bullshit. Uh-huh. And I actually read some witness accounts uh, of all of the people who. I don't want to spoil anything, but all of the people who found Mm -hmm. these potential crime scenes, all of them said, just looking at it, there was obviously some form of foul play. Right. This one was no different. Right. Uh, Police would even neglect to search the contents of Stephen's phone or computer at that time because this process was, quote, too Too expensive. expensive. Which we talked about, like, before, because we had never keep our mouths shut when we first see each other. Like, can you believe like this? That was the one thing I said. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, like snaps that they got his fingerprints. Cause we've seen this before where someone it's... has been arrested on something and just kind of let go, like whatever, no taking fingerprinting, yeah. no whatever. And we're like, why didn't you do that? But they did that snaps for you. Now you've got this whole computer and you're not going to dick with it. Cool. Yeah. Snaps that you took some of his things into evidence, snaps that you fingerprinted him, snaps that you took his DNA, but what the F yeah. have you done with any of <laughs> None that? None of it. Nothing. Nothing. So you get a half snap. A half snap. Uh, Stephen would even be released on bail pending sentencing for the charges that we discussed, which were perverting the course of justice, which is kind of just the Americanized version of, what, interfering with an investigation. With an investigation, yeah. Yeah. Because he had even said, like, well, if I was there would I, and I didn't have anything to do with it, would I be charged with something? And it's like, <laughs> okay, we're just going to let you go, though. <laughs> <laughs> Slap on the Obviously wrist. Obviously not. Bye. We'll see you in a while. We'll tell you what your punishment is later. Right. Much later, as it would turn out. <laughs> Before we go any further, I want to know, and maybe you want to know, and mm-hmm. hopefully our dear listeners want to know, who the fuck is Stephen Port? Who the fuck is <laughs> Stephen? Who the fuck is Stephen? <laughs> and I hope people out there get that reference. Thank you, Willem, Alaska, and uh, Courtney Act. I was wondering if we were just going to continue doing this and someone might mention us and notice it or... Who the fuck is Heather? I want to know. <laughs> and also thank you, Stacey Lane Matthews. Back on track. Who is Stephen Port? Stephen Port was born February 22nd of 1975 to two loving parents in South End-on-Sea, England. At one-year-old, Stephen would move then to Dagenham, East London, where he would grow up. Uh, Living what most would describe as a, quote, normal, average, working-class childhood. Despite this, young Stephen's peers and classmates would describe him as, quote, quiet and awkward, uh, he would avoid conversation to the extent that many people thought he was deaf when he was in school. Oh, I didn't know it was that. Yeah. yeah pretty bad. Mm. I mean, I was a shy kid, but nothing... That's excessively yeah, shy. Yeah, that's excessive. Uh, post high school, Stephen would enroll in art school, but ultimately he had to drop out because it was too expensive. Thereafter, Stephen took jobs as a short order chef at bus stations and in train depots. Uh, not a lot of spectacular culinary talent <laughs> um i would imagine no disrespect but um maybe he's he's not feeling the best about where he is in life i can understand that yeah other reports would indicate that Stephen also intermittently functioned as a sex worker and panderer and of course panderer is my polite way of saying i was gonna say do you want to elaborate <laughs> on that sir or are we it's, just using generous adjectives here? <laughs> I am being generous, but that's my polite way of saying that he pimped out other sex workers. 
Stephen officially came out to his family as gay in his late 20s, and though they did not support the lifestyle, they were tolerant, and the relationships were seemingly unaffected. By his 30s, uh, those closest to Stephen would describe him as socially awkward, anxious, and even childlike, uh, making it difficult for the man to establish relationships with people in person. Uh, for these reasons, he would turn to the online dating and hookup community. Eventually, this led to Stephen's interest evolving to chemsex, uh, drugged rape pornography, and relationships with much younger men. Uh, for any of the listeners who may not be familiar with the term chemsex, yeah, I was uh, waiting for that one too. AKA yeah. PNP, AKA party and play. It generally describes the consumption of drugs to facilitate or enhance sexual activity between two men. So these are traditionally terms that you're going to typical find online in, grinder PNP yeah. party and play is like a yeah. Why we're not telling people that they know that. Yeah. <laughs> you probably uh, know that. <laughs> we have some heterosexuals who are that's fair. Who that's maybe fair. Don't uh, and we don't know. Then again, what? I mean, I didn't know what some of these things stood for. I've seen what some of those abbreviations are, and I'm like, now what could that be? Well, and I know that some of these things exist in the community, but I'm not hip to the new That's terminology fair. sometimes. <laughs> what the kids are doing Yeah, what say. the kids are doing and saying these days. <laughs> uh, but the more you know, right? The more you know. Okay, so Stephen reportedly had two long-term relationships with 16-year-old boys, Ooh. each lasting one to two years. Uh, there were also allegations that by 2012, he had begun drugging and raping teenage boys. Uh, but at that time, those crimes would go unreported. Now, do we know uh, how, how old he was at that time? He would have been around 37 at that okay. time. So literally people half his age. And yeah, because he's, well, I think I saw 44, would be 44 now, I think if I looked it up. Yeah. I, I don't know, I'm bad at math. I looked Because yeah, this is all relatively born. recent. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, by the time things really started to reportedly take those dark, like drastic turns, mm -hmm. and there were allegations that he was actually committing crime... Mm -hmm. Uh, he was about 37 years old, okay. and this would have all started about two years before the Danthony, uh, the death, the Danthony, the death <laughs> of Anthony Walgate. <clears throat> On August 28th of 2014, a 65-year-old woman named Barbara Denham was walking her dog through the cemetery of St. Margaret's Church when she found the body of a man propped up against a stone wall. Authorities were contacted, and the young man was identified as a 22-year-old artist named Gabriel Kavari. Gabriel had recently moved to East London from Slovakia in hopes of living in an area that was more open and accepting of his life as a homosexual. Yeah, how sad is that? It literally said he thought that his country yeah. was too oppressed, so he came to, what, London, right? Yeah, yeah, East London. <clears throat> like Anthony Walgate, Gabriel's cause of death was determined to be an overdose of the drug GHB. Despite that, and the fact that the bodies were found approximately 500 meters from one another, wow. the two deaths were not linked by the police, and Gabriel's death was also ruled a, quote, accidental and unsuspicious overdose. Because there was no suspicion of foul play by authorities and no further investigation uh, was taken into his death, uh, police would not learn that five days prior, Gabriel had actually moved into the flat of Stephen Port. Additionally, they would not discover that at the during his time there. Sorry, during his time there, Gabriel would actually meet Stephen Port's friend and neighbor Ryan Edwards. Ryan would later go on record as saying that Gabriel confided in him that Stephen was quote not the man you think he yeah. is. He is a bad man. It does seem like those two became pretty quick friends. Yeah. 
Like, you know, when, when your one best friend you become really good friends with and then they introduce you to their, like, other best friend. That's kind of what it makes me think of. Like, Stephen was close with this roommate or flatmate. Yes. And then his neighbor he was close with, quote-unquote. I'm, I'm air-quoting close with both of these. And then, you know, the new flatmate becomes now friends with the neighbor and then is now open to tell the neighbor things that, like... What was interesting to me that I learned is what were being said in text messages. Mm-hmm. Like Gabriel sending to the neighbor versus Stephen sending to the neighbor. And Stephen said something along the lines of, he asked how the, his neighbor asked how the new flatmate was working out. And he said something along the lines of, oh, I'm taking care of him. He, he. It's so creepy. He, he. Like any, he used the word he, he. Like. <laughs> any, like anything that you say in text form followed by he, he. Yes. Is automatically creepy. like a red flag. What creepy. is this red flag number 20? Literally. It's, <laughs> it's automatically creeper vibe, yeah. red flag, scary. You can even be like, I just cooked you this nice home cooked meal. He, he. And then you're like, well, you're poisoning me. Is there so. a knife in there? <laughs> I'm not touching it arsenic no thank you literally that's i thought the same thing because to me i'm like even if if okay he he if if you were to say oh i was just making a joke or it was supposed to be lighthearted and funny it would be like it would be like if a gay man were to say oh i'm taking really good care of him haha that could be like oh i i'm flirting with him all the time or i'm i'm it could be like a sexual yeah 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 he he is not sexual or funny in any way it's creepy as shit it's creepy Which is probably why he ended up on a true crime podcast. Uh, Isn't it? Yeah. Also, according to Ryan Edwards, days later, Gabriel would disappear. And when asked, Stephen would initially say that he had left to pursue a relationship with another man, but later changed his story to say that Gabriel had moved back home, contracted a serious illness, and died unexpectedly. Uh Finally, police would have found, again, if they had been investigating the crime, suspecting foul play, and not just writing it off as uh, a young gay man who had overdosed, if they had been investigating this crime uh, the way that they should have been, in my opinion, they would have found Stephen Port's DNA on Gabriel's eyeglasses, and they already had Stephen's DNA because it was collected. Right. Would have been done and done. After the first death. Easy. Yeah. Done and done. Because we had talked about, even in the last episode, had they... DNA tested Luca when he got arrested for other crimes, they would have had him in the system. They would have known, or other ones even, they would have known where they have this information now. They're just not fucking using it. They're not thinking. And we also talk about all the time too, how the reason there are discrepancies or police departments, that's plural, don't figure out the murders are correlated is because they're far away from each other. They're different departments. This There's no... There's no way that this wasn't the same fucking police department. Don't tell me you're not seeing a trend here. These bodies were literally found less than 500 meters away from one another. Directly across the street from one another. And not to mention how sketchy he was acting with the first one. Like, do you not remember? Recall. Come on. Or maybe there was recall and nobody cared because they didn't feel like filling out the paperwork. I don't know. So what you're saying is... Attention. The bullshit meter has detected major BS. Confirmed. That's definitely some bullshit. I agree. Oh, it's so true, though. It's almost like they picked the exact right one. I mean, I know it's all BS, but it's always, like, perfect. <laughs> On September 20th of 2014, Barbara Denham was walking her dog uh, through the cemetery of St. Margaret's Church again when she encountered something that would elicit the internal response or reaction 
quote, dear God, not again. This poor woman. This poor woman. I almost, spoiler spoiler alerted the last time you were talking about her, because I was like, didn't she find... (laughs) But here we are. (laughs) Uh, Barbara would find the body of another young man propped up against the exact same wall, in the exact same spot, in the exact same position, this time sitting on a blue bedsheet. The positioning is something that we should talk a little bit about, okay. which I found particularly interesting. I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of the shirt being pulled up on the victim. The shirt was like kind of like tucked up and away from the stomach area, and then the pants were unzipped. That's all I could find about that, because I thought the positioning thing was interesting, but I'm like, well, what about the rest of it? I did see a little something about how the shirt was kind of unnaturally pulled up as though maybe they had been dragged from underneath their Oh, arms. that could be what it is, yeah. Um, and there were some issues with the buttoning of the pants, and even, I think I read an account of one of the victim's underwear being Yes, I out. was just going to say, yeah, he yeah. Had, the, the underwear was put back on, but they were inside out. Yeah, as though they had been redressed yes. by somebody else. Yeah. Authorities were once again contacted, and this young man was identified as a 21-year-old chef chef named Daniel Whitworth. Daniel's cause of death was also determined to be an overdose of the drug, GHB, uh, but was not considered suspicious because he would also be discovered with a suicide note in his left hand. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot about this. And it, it doesn't make me laugh because it's a suicide note. It makes me laugh because... The I'm, ridiculousness yeah, of it all. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, the letter would claim responsibility for the death of Gabriel Cavari, stating that the two were in a relationship with one another and that they were engaging in sexual activity when Daniel accidentally overdosed Gabriel on GHB. Air quotes, Daniel stated in the note that the guilt he felt over causing Gabriel, Gabriel's death had driven him to take his own life. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the suicide note would contain comments like, forgive my handwriting. I took the drugs 10 minutes ago and I'm starting, starting to feel to the feel, effects. Yeah. Uh, and also, don't blame the guy that I was with last night. We just had sex and he had nothing to do with this. Don't blame the guy I was with last night. Now, <laughs> you and I did talk a little bit about how we've given props to, in a certain way, uh, some people we've talked about for being so meticulous, so methodical, whatever, whatever, however you want to describe it. This one in particular, it's almost as if he's trying to be methodical after the fact. Do you know what I mean? Like, he does things very willy-nilly, and then he changes his story, but it's almost as if he's, like, changing these stories or doing things because he thinks he's being smart about it. And when in reality, we're all like, what? (laughs) I agree with you in the fact that I think he thinks he's being methodical, and Mm -hmm. he thinks he's being smart, but he's doing it in a very juvenile childlike way right like he's watched too many movies or something which correlates with reports of people that knew him saying he's very childlike yeah so i we should add in that this guy we had to look it up because i'm like he's gangly he's tall this guy is six foot three and i out there i somehow found someone has compiled a list of like famous serial killers and put them in order by height he would literally be now i'm sure there are I like that they use the word infamous, not famous. Infamous serial killers and murderers by height. He's quite literally the second one, just under Ed Kemper, who was 6'9", which we were both surprised. We knew he was big, but not that big. So yeah, he's six foot three. So this is a giant child we're basically talking about. A giant toddler. Yeah, and you can tell with some of the writing and stuff, if you do go and like research this quote-unquote suicide note, it, it reads very much like a child. It does. And you can't find it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find it online. 
once again, police would not suspect any foul play, foul play in the death of Daniel Whitmore, and therefore, at that time, they would not conduct any further investigation. If they had, they would have discovered that the man Daniel had been with the night prior was, in fact, Stephen Port. They would also discover that Stephen Port's DNA was on the blue bedsheet that Daniel's body was found on. Uh, they would also match Stephen's handwriting to the handwriting in the suicide letter. So this is the second one now where if they would have, they would, have, they found, would have I mean, d- DNA is enough, period. Like, DNA is absolutely enough. The rest enough. of it. Do you ever bring up the fact that in the first one, if they would have looked at his search history on his computer, are we going to talk about that? We are going to talk okay. about that, yeah. Uh, also, with this particular uh, victim and the lack of investigation, they would have also found bruising under Daniel's armpits, indicating that, again, like we talked about, his body had been dragged uh, and repositioned after his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when asked why the handwriting was not being analyzed by Daniel's family, who did not believe that he committed suicide, they said, we know him. He is not a suicidal person. He wasn't suffering from any sort of like mental yeah. health yeah. Uh, illnesses, yeah. Uh, the police would say, what, Ashley? They weren't having it analyzed because it was what? It was a lot of money. It, it was, was too expensive. Too expensive. And I think that calls for a... Completely. Oh, that's awesome. Completely. I do want to take a quick side note here. So let's quickly fast forward to March of 2015. Uh, on March 23rd of 2015, Stephen Port is now officially sentenced for the perversion of the course of justice charges that were associated with the death of the initial victim, Anthony Walgate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been out of jail this whole time. Yeah, because he made bail, right? Mm-hmm. He made yeah. bail. He's been out of jail this whole time. So he... Uh, since late June of 2014, from late June of 2014 to March of 2015, he's been out. That's nine I was going to say months. that sounds like almost a year to me. Yeah. That's nine months that he has been out mm-hmm. committing serious crime. Yeah. While on bail. And even though he's not a super uh, meticulous, methodical, and intelligent person, we have to at least acknowledge the fact that this guy's got some balls. Why the fuck do you think he's getting away with it, though? Because of his victims. Because of his victims, it exactly. It is another socioeconomic... We should stop even using that term because obviously that's a thing with yeah. almost every single one of these cases we've talked about where it's just... Well, that's why we're doing this particular that's type fair. of podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Where I say, like, we shouldn't even have to bring that up because it's, it's a duh factor at this point. It is a duh factor. Um, I have to agree with you 100% and I have to state with complete certainty mm-hmm. that if these had been 20 something petite oh, yeah. women mm-hmm. who were being found dead single moms waitresses girl next doors it would all have, of it foul play would have immediately been suspected Absolutely. and investigation would have happened again it's that concept of the ideal victim versus the non-ideal victim mm-hmm. if these had been women these petite little blonde young like fresh face girl next door looking women people would have been outraged but because or hell even 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 straight men of that same kind of category i know maybe not as sought after but definitely close to it because Hello, Brock Turner. I mean, that's not a similar... There's no serial killer sure. involved, but that's a perfect example of... He would turn out to be a victim to some to a lot of fucking people, apparently. 
it just is a point proven right there. These people aren't being paid attention to because of their lifestyle. Absolutely. It's that whole concept, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because yeah, I think well, it's, it's so it's, important. It's that it's concept the main theme. of the ideal victim versus the non-ideal victim and the obvious differences in the way that these cases are viewed by the general public and handled by the authorities who are supposed to be bringing justice to these people. Well, and I feel like in, in other cases, too, we've been able to sit back and say, okay, these police departments didn't talk to, didn't talk to each other. You know, it's kind of city to city. It's municipality to municipality. Well, all of that. But we can't even make that an excuse at this point. No. Like, it's not an excuse then, but it's certainly not going to be now. It's just blatant disregard for these people. It's blatant just lack of caring and doing your job efficiently and effectively because you might have a certain feeling about the victim specifically. Yeah. It wouldn't be too expensive to find out what what happened to Susie next door. (laughs) You are absolutely correct. Would it? You are absolutely correct. Unless they found out that Susie next door was a lesbian. Or was a sex worker. (laughs) Or was a sex worker. Yeah. You know? Or Susie next door hadn't been born biologically Susie next door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. And we're seeing it over and over and over again uh, in the cases that we're doing. And that's why we're doing cases like this. Because Mm -hmm. people need to see and understand the differences. Mm -hmm. But... Eventually, eventually, Stephen Port was sentenced to eight months incarceration uh, for the charges associated with just making false statements and lying uh, about the uh, initial victim's death. But Hmm. he would only serve uh, just over two months of that time. So that's interesting to me because this is not in the United States where I can make a case for... I've honestly known people whose parents, like maybe on like tax fraud or something of that nature which is nowhere even near, you know, obstructing or uh, tampering with an investigation, whatever, where they've been sentenced and had to serve time, but they've literally had to call every month to see if there's room for them in prison. I don't buy that that's a thing in another country because we have the most incarcerated people per capita in the United States. I don't know. It's interesting to me and confusing to me why he was out for so long and why he only served so much time it can't be because of space in prison i mean or maybe it can i don't know i'm not from london i I don't yeah this is in london Uh, london is one of the biggest cities in the entire world but also they don't commit crimes like well maybe maybe they do i don't know I mean, this is at least the second uh, serial <laughs> killer true. that we've talked about. <laughs> that's true. That's so, a good point. That's why, yeah. that's why I like backed up. I'm like, well, yeah. maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Um, chime in. Chime yeah. in. Geography is not my thing. Let if us know. Anybody who, uh, any of the Slay Queens out there who are listening, who are maybe local uh, to East London or London in general, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, corrections are welcomed as long as they're constructive. Oh, yeah. Well, especially when it comes to geography because I am... Yeah. A disaster at that. Stephen was released from prison wearing an electronic tag on June 4th of 2015. So he was sentenced on March 23rd, released on June 4th. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so he's wearing a little ankle box, I guess. Yeah, at least at least he's tagged. Um, although they're probably he's not tagged. paying particularly attention to what he's doing. Now, on September 14th of 2015, uh, Barbara Denham. 
Barbara. That face he just gave me. <laughs> yes, it Barbara is. Denim, Barbara Denim. No, no, no. Barbara Denim had probably, hopefully, long since stopped <sighs> walking her dog yeah. through the cemetery of St. Margaret's Church. Well, it was funny. She had even said like that she liked to walk her dog through that area because she could have the dog off a leash. And yeah. I'm like, well, you're going to put that dog on a fucking leash from yeah. now on. Yeah. Poor lady. Ugh. But some poor unfortunate soul uh, would be walking uh, through the cemetery, cemetery of St. Margaret's Church uh, and they would stumble upon another male body. Uh, that victim was propped against the same wall in the same spot, Ugh. in the same position as the previous victims. Authorities, of course, were contacted, and that young man was identified as a 25-year-old forklift driver named Jack Taylor. Jack's cause of death was determined to be... Ashley, would you care to take a guess? I don't know. What was it? <laughs> An overdose of the drug Was GHB. it strangulation? <laughs> it was not. This was not Colin Ireland, although oh. Colin Ireland did live in the area. Oh, that's funny. That it is became full circle. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> However, police would not suspect foul play because Jack was found to uh, have a hypodermic needle uh, and syringe in his pocket. Those are the little 1ml syringes that are often used uh, with people who uh, are intravenous drug users. And one, count them, one track mark on his arm. What? One track mark on his arm. And I just have to say, I'm not a police officer. Yeah. I don't investigate crime, but I am a healthcare worker and I've encountered a lot of drug addicts in mm-hmm. my day. Of course. And one <laughs> track That's what mark. what I'm saying. Like, what? Yeah. So, I... I didn't know that fact. I would not have been convinced that he was a drug addict who had Not overdosed. a regular user. No, no, not a regular user. Now, I guess an argument can be made for the fact that he was a first-time user didn't know could be for uh, sure an overdose that is a very real possibility but yeah but based on what you've already got at hand exactly come on and based on like this person's history and like the accounts of his family and whatnot right come on uh jack's death jack's death at the time would be ruled an accidental overdose and there were no plans for future investigation however because huh. there's always a however in uh this in this story <laughs> Uh, had they looked into the crime further, police would have learned that the day prior, Jack had talked to and arranged to meet Stephen Port on a little app that we've already talked about, one that I like to call the old grind. Mm. The uh, old grind. Back to the grind. AKA back to grinder. Also, authorities would have discovered that Stephen's DNA was on the hooded sweatshirt that was worn by the victim. So again, DNA evidence. <laughs> He's sloppy, and nobody's paying attention to it. Nobody's paying attention. There is definitely a lack of diligence and a lack of just... You could have connected all of these from the get-go. From the rip. Like, that very first one could have been nipped it in the bud. Nipped it in the bud. And we have saved the lives of... And we've said this before, but before there hasn't been specific DNA, DNA evidence on that first victim. That's the thing, is like... Before it was, you know, speculation where it's like, oh, if you would have thought of this, whatever. But this is like literal, physical, forensic evidence that you're just not paying attention to. You're not even scanning anything. Yeah. It's unfortunate. By this time, unsatisfied with the work of the police, the friends and family of each victim had begun conducting their own investigations. And shout out to them. We do love a good citizen detective. Absolutely. I mean, uh, hello. Hello. Our last episode, especially. Y'all, if you've watched the, that uh, limited series, you know what those 
civilians can do. With the simple use of Google, uh, they were able to connect the deaths of all four men. So, I mean, it's not like they had like these wow, grand wow, resources. Wow. They simply just used Google, and they were able to connect the deaths of the four men. Uh, loved ones would contact authorities, stating that they feared that these were the works of a serial killer, uh, requesting that the investigations be reopened. Police would continue to deny any connection between the deaths of the men, and they would continue to deny any suspicion of foul play. Eventually, the human rights campaign and Pink News would even uh, become uh, aware of these crimes. And both of those agencies individually would reach out to the authorities with the same requests. Uh, This is why I send HRC money every year. (laughs) HRC is amazing. Uh, And just in case there are any queens out there who are unfamiliar with Pink News, it's a UK-based newspaper marketed specifically to the LGBTQIA community. Uh, but those agencies were also denied their request for the cases to be reopened and for further investigation to happen. Even the human rights campaign, wow. Even the human rights campaign. Ultimately, it was the persistence of Jack Taylor's family that led to an arrest. They insisted that CCTV footage in the area of the crimes be checked for the night of Jack's death. Uh, and eventually doing this, police would capture images of Jack with a man shortly before his estimated time of death. These photos were circulated throughout the city via local media outlets, and that man was soon identified as Stephen Port. Or, as I like to say, a mashup between, you know, you love my pop culture references. I do. We all do. <laughs> He's like a mashup between Macklemore and Slenderman. Because <laughs> Macklemore is not as, he's not an unattractive human, no. but... Stephen Port is an unattractive human. He is not a good-looking guy. From, like, the neck down, he's got a great body. He's tall. He's jacked. But he looks like he's been road hard and put away wet, in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. Slenderman meets Macklemore is my (laughs) description of what this human being looks like. Google him. Let me know what you think. Thank you for the visual. (laughs) Yes. And uh, give us your thoughts and opinions. So they see who this person is now. Yes. When officially questioned about the crimes, Stephen was found to be extremely anxious, fidgeting in his chair, clenching his fists, and speaking in low tones when answering questions. Recognize these indicators as physical signs of guilt, uh, police would finally begin looking into the case evidence. They would discover all the aforementioned findings as well as, are you ready for this? This, I think, was the thing that disgusted me the most. What? Uh, They finally decide, hey, we've got this guy's cell phone and we've got his laptop. We've had it now for, what, a year? Yeah, thank you. Um, They found 83 videos of Stephen Port, 83 videos of Stephen Port having sex with drugged, unconscious men. I did not know it was that many. Of course. Finally, after essentially, like I said, a year, Stephen Port was then placed under arrest. When the full story broke, uh, multiple other victims would come forward. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah. And in the end, Stephen Port was actually found guilty of four murder charges, six counts of poisoning, four rape charges, and four additional counts of sexual assault. I mean, but that's not even, like, scratching the surface. Oh, no, it's not. Of the amount of people that came through. It was literally, like, the floodgates were open from any account that I could see. Like, it was just name after name and family. Like, I was just like, what the fuck Pandora's box did I just open? And this is so sad that that's all he was accounted for when you know 
There was so much more. Multiple people were coming forward. They were giving stories about how they agreed to meet him and they were on board with like drug use uh-huh. um, and that Stephen had overdosed them. There were people coming forward saying that they weren't on board with drug use and they believed uh, that Stephen had put drugs into drugs drinks. Them anyway. okay. Yeah, uh, into drinks that he had offered them. There were other people who thought that they were being really smart about it. They wouldn't accept drinks or food from him because they were afraid yeah. that this person was maybe going to try and drug them. Right. And he drugged them anally by saying that he was applying lubricant. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Which is, that's the only smart thing in my, I mean, and we don't want to praise, with... we don't want to praise anybody for these horrible things that they did, but yeah. that's literally the only like intelligent meticulous thing that he did throughout these crimes is is what, drug people anally by saying, well, I'm going to apply some lubricant. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously watched a lot of TV is all I've gotten from this guy. And we've said before that we've had one particular serial killer who paid attention to a lot of, you know, true crime, everything. Yeah, figure out Colin how to be the, the perfect serial killer, right? Yes. Yeah. Which I was thinking about that. We should have done him today because he was like the New Year's Eve killer almost. Because he was like, that was his New Year's resolution. I'm like, fuck, we fucked that one up. But anyways, um, this one's awesome just because he's so different uh, and not methodical. What what I keep thinking though throughout this whole thing that I keep wanting to bring up is we haven't talked a lot about like, well, his childhood, obviously. We said how he was quiet and all of that. But most of them we have heard about how they had been diagnosed with mental health like severe mental health uh, disorders. But I don't know much about him. What makes it interesting because he could just be some guy who's for all intents and purposes, quote unquote, normal or regular. So that might be why he's fidgeting and nervous and showing signs of being uncomfortable in this interrogation where the other ones typically don't. Cause it's like, maybe he's, he just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, ultra intriguing to me because he didn't have any of these like you have to take your medicine or you're gonna be effed up or whatever whatever like it's just it's he just was the quiet kid and this is what came out of it and he's it's almost like he flew under the radar his whole entire life and well then that for me uh poses the question did he suffer from some sort of mental health disorder that just was undiagnosed that's kind of what i was thinking because yeah, yeah because he flew under the radar or well, I mean, obviously, he had some sort of mental health disorder. He right. became a serial killer. That's why I say, um, quote unquote, normal. Like, yeah. to everybody else, like, on, on paper, I yeah. guess I should say, there's no. If this guy went to go into the military at the age of 20 something, he would be accepted because there are no history of mental health yeah. disorder or physical disorders, whatever. Yeah. Whereas the other ones would have been like, no, red flag, red flag. You're yeah. not jo- you're not doing this because you obviously already have yeah. mental health issues that we don't want to exacerbate, kind of thing. Where he. Obviously, it has not been called out for anything like that. There was something going on. We just don't know what it was. We just don't know what it was. And there's not a lot of information about Uh his childhood. And what we do know, it was air quotes normal. Right. Yeah. And it was air quotes normal and working class, which, I mean, I grew up in a poor working class family. And we didn't have access to, like, healthcare and and other things the way that some other families would. Uh So maybe if he had grown up in a more affluent sort of family or environment, maybe he would have had uh, better access to to healthcare and mental health. And maybe he would have been diagnosed with something. And maybe we wouldn't have seen these crimes. But, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? Mm -hmm. 
But on especially for these victims that should have been linked that were not. There's a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda with these victims, and it's so sad. This is one of the saddest for me because it's just so blatant. It is. It's, it's just almost so like blatant. hindsight is like twenty thirty. It's not even like so it should be hindsight. Like it should yeah. have been right there. Yeah. On November twenty fifth of twenty sixteen, Justice Openshaw. Justice Openshaw. That's an interesting name, and I hope that I got it correct. Uh, sentenced Stephen Port to life in prison without the possibility of a parole in a level A prison system. You said Justice Openshaw, mm-hmm. and before you said sentenced to, I thought you were talking about a person. And I'm like, ooh, Justice, I like that name. Mm. <laughs> wow. All right, have another one, Zoic. Have another one. And for those of us who are unaware of what a level A prison in the UK entails, let me tell you, because I'm a big fan of this. Yes. That's where inmates spend 23 hours a day confined to their cells. So they get an hour a day to shower and do whatever else, but it's just one hour a day that they get any time outside of their cell. Okay. They are not allowed any visitors or phone calls ever. And the only contact that they can have with the outside world is via written letter. And you are absolutely fucking correct. Snaps for that. We need to see that in the U.S. more. It's so funny. I'm going to shout out another podcast because obviously we all grew up listening to some of them. And My Favorite Murder has been one of my favorites, LOL, (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) Pun intended. But I will say there was an episode. I can't even tell you what season. I'm pretty sure it was one of the... One of the first 400. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say 200 maybe where it was a guy in Russia. And I just, I don't, I don't remember the whole story. I just remember them getting to the end and this, well, he deserved it. You know, obviously got 20 years uh, or I'm sorry, life in prison. And the first 20 years were to be spent in solitary confinement. And they're both going back and forth, like, I can't believe that. And, you know, of course it's, but where are we? We're in Russia. Russia. And I'm like, that guy in particular, I just remember thinking, oh my fucking God, that's the only thing you can do with that guy. And that should be a real thing. It sounds like it's cruel and unusual punishment, but what the hell else do they deserve? I would have been far less upset by, for example, the Luca Magnata situation if he had been sentenced to something like this. As opposed to, like, my rant at the end Mm -hmm. of that episode, where he's essentially getting everything he wanted. He's he's not independently wealthy, but all of his needs are met. I swear to God. He's a celebrity. After watching that that series, that mini-series, which was amazing, it's then Googling or Facebooking and seeing... It wasn't even Google. It was literally Facebook where I looked up Luca Magnata, and it is... I'm talking hundreds. I was scrolling and scrolling of... Facebook pages either pretending to be him or fan pages. It was not once, and I mean, I kept randomly clicking as I was scrolling, but not once did I see a page of like, you know, find the internet cat killer like it used to be. Now it's, uh, we support you, Luca. You need a retrial. We still love you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, I'm baffled by it. Absolutely baffled by it. Now, we, I did read, and we do see a little bit of that with Stephen Port. He does have kind of that fan club. Uh-huh. Uh, he did get letters uh, from both men and women, you know, like praising him and uh, those that kind of have those, like, feelings of love and affection for him. However, 
his access to them is very limited. Yeah, and well, Luke is getting everything he wanted. Life. Exactly. He is exactly. literally getting everything he ever wanted. That's my point. That's why I walked away from that Luca Magnata research feeling very kind of just pissed off. Angry. Yeah. Angry uh, about how that all turned out. Yeah, he, he was tried and he was found guilty and he's uh, in prison now, but he's living, for all intents and purposes, his best life in prison. Whereas at least Stephen Port is truly being punished. Have you seen the guy that Luca married? I haven't. He looks like... <laughs> You're going to look this up if you haven't already. Uh, do you know what uh, Aaron Carter looks like now? Yes. Nick Carter's little brother? Yes. Straight up. Straight up looks like Aaron Carter. Like, I'm a pretty guy, but I'm probably going to sell you some meth. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, that's what the dude looks... He's an attractive... You could tell... And no disrespect to the Carter family. No, not at all. Don't sue us. The tattoos, though, it's like something... Yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> this is what the guy looks like. He in, And I'm like, you literally could not have found a more perfect human for yourself. Whether you be in prison or not. This guy just looks like you are so happy and so in love. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why did we allow this to happen for Luca? It's also pretty narcissistic because that's the way we described uh, Luca Magnata. Yeah, a so little bit. I did say he looked like he was in a boy band and he had an alcohol problem. So he's wow. kind of found just like a version of himself. Yeah, it's like when and Paris Hilton dated another Paris. Shocker yes. that Luca Magnata has done something yet again that could be considered extremely narcissistic. narcissistic. Yeah, wow. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. What happened since? Oh my god, so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just abbreviate a little bit. The family of the victims have since filed civil suit against the agencies who failed to investigate these crimes properly. As they should. As they fucking well should have. Mm -hmm. Uh, The complaints allege that terrible decisions were made in these cases due to discrimination against the victims for being homosexual. Again, for being the non-ideal victims, right? Also citing that at least... Three lives could have been saved if these mistakes had not been made so early in the investigations, which is kind of what we've said. Yep. If they had realized what they had. Just opened the fucking computer. Open the fucking computer that they had Literally. on hand. Yeah. If right they had off done rip. that early, then at least three of these lives could have been saved. Uh, additionally, 17 police police officers have been internally investigated for their actions or rather their, their inactions. And I, right, I was going to say, or uh, maybe what they didn't do. In this case. Although what I can respect about that is, is that apparently the department itself approached like internal investigation and said, we okay. really screwed up here and you should conduct a formal investigation. It wasn't so, like the press coming and being like exactly. angry, beating on a door. Exactly. Yeah. So I can at least respect the fact that they're either going, we really screwed up here and we should be held accountable for it, or they're going, eh, we need to get ahead of this. Could be. Yeah. Who knows? But, I mean, I can respect both. Yeah. Um, as far as Stephen Port is concerned, as far as Stephen Port is concerned, since his incarceration, he has reportedly never apologized for any of his crimes, and he has shown no signs of remorse. Mm-mm-mm. So what... What the fuck? That's the thing is like, it's so hard. Like we talked about the mental health issues. You can't find any kind of like diagnoses or whatever. Yeah. It just makes you wonder what was going on up there. Also, uh, Stephen is actively being investigated for possible involvement in 58 other GHB related deaths between 2012 and 2015. 
So 58 still being investigated. Yeah. Which the when I first had like looked him up, it was like basically the the, the gist of what I got was over 60 something victims potentially and it was that he had been convicted of four plus so there's a huge discrepancy between four plus and 60 something that's nuts definitely is and it i mean it, it makes you wonder whether or not there's someone else out there well either. like we said before it was like the floodgates had opened when people found out about this all kinds of tips were being brought in, all kinds of stories, all kinds of everything, where it's like, what about the people that didn't call? What about the people that didn't think, oh, I'm going to do something about this because it sounds similar? You know what I mean? Yeah. There could be hundreds. There could be. I just question, because there were obviously other like rape and sexual assault victims mm-hmm. that were out there because these people came forward and he's been charged with right, those things. With those, yeah. Um, they're talking about 58 other deaths specifically. And because he was so lazy and because yeah. he was not at all methodical, I find it really hard to believe that he got away with 58 yeah. other deaths. That's a good point. Uh, and didn't leave behind this DNA evidence. and Well, and also considering that things. he put those other ones in the same position, which would exactly. obviously correlate them. Yeah. But so it really makes me wonder whether or, could or not... Or he have gotten better at his craft? I don't know. We're never going to... Well, maybe. I mean, he would have gotten we'll worse know. at his craft. <laughs> <laughs> but I just... No I, wonder, I wonder whether or not, you know, a year from now, two years from now, we're going to be talking about another serial yeah. killer in, in this area. In the same area. exact area. Yeah. How coincidental. Same victim profile. Same cause of death. Yeah. So stay just tuned for that. Just how we did that. with the serial killer on accident. That was a debauchery. Stay yeah. tuned for that. Stay tuned. And that, I think, brings us to the end. It sure does. Of the life and crimes of Stephen Port, the grinder killer. Grinder itself, though, is a killer, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really should just be called that. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And yeah, be careful out there, y'all. Be careful the out thing, there. That's the thing, what was it? The first victim we talked about, he, he was doing all of the necessary precautions. He was sending locations. He was seemingly doing all the right things. Probably even was sending pictures of who he was with. You know what I mean? Like this is his profile. Cause I've done that. Before. That's absolutely what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. There were accounts that that's what he was doing. Yeah. And he, well, you can never be too careful. You can't. So is it time? Time to mic drop? I guess it's time. Now it's time to say goodbye. Now it's time. Okay, so we want to say goodbye to all the queens, all yes, the kings, thank you, queens. Thank everyone kings. else uh, in between. All of them. That almost rhymed. All of y'all. It's almost rhymed. It's close. Time. We'll it's come close. up with something eventually. Yeah. We can open it pretty well. We don't know how to close it, so we'll figure it out. Yeah. But thank you, everybody, for joining us again for another episode of the Slay Queens podcast. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you noticed the improvement in our sound yes. quality. Uh, as promised, we are continuing to improve our processes for you ladies, gents, and everyone in between. If you want to reach out to us and tell us how amazing we are yes. and how amazing we have been, uh, you can reach out to us at Gmail, which was... SlayQueensPod at gmail.com. You can reach us on Instagram at... SlayQueensPod. <laughs> and Twitter <laughs> at... SlayQueensPod. SlayQueensPod. 
Uh, so we welcome your love and praises and constructive feedback. We welcome any show ideas and suggestions that you might have. We All of it. Welcome memes and gifts because I live for them. Memes are the best. I memes have like a whole fol- folder of memes that I would love to post for like Yes. <laughs> and we wish you all a very, very, very happy and prosperous 2020. Yes. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You can't see it, but we're doing the Mr. Spock. Oh. Vulcan. Is it Vulcan? Is it Vulcan? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Trekkie. It sounds about right. Sounds right? about right. Sounds about right. So go out, live long and prosper and slay, queens. Just not each other. Just not each other. <laughs> I'm going away, but I won't come back on a lonesome railroad line. But I can't forget that sweet.